Salutations and welcome to episode number 201 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your hostess for the with, with the mostest today, Ashes Von Nightmare. And in case you forgot, I am the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. I am joined by my co-host in life and on this show. He is angry. He is nerdy. He has spent most of quarantine dressed as a shark. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Patrick. Patsy, I almost called you pa- I am killing this hosting gig right now. I almost called you Patrick Von Nightmare, which is actually it's not inaccurate. correct. Well, you Patsy know, the Angry Nerd. I would uh, also like to say... Uh, for the future, for future reference, that if I mess up one of your thirty-five nicknames, you can no longer give me shit about. Okay, it. no, 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 because you host this show all the time. I've only hosted. I have one I name. Have only hosted a handful. One. Okay, excuse yourself, because first of all, our recording schedule has been all askew thanks to you. Who? Who are you, you pointing to? Bobby. No, I'm not pointing to a sheep. I'm pointing to you. Bobby's not a sheep. You, sir. She's a kitty. Um, And we're recording this all out of order, and it's the the magic of podcasting right now. Um, So, yeah. So, so long story short, we all know I need to host this show more often. Yeah, and I tell you that all the time. And, yeah. So... Episode 201, guys. That's one more than 200. It is. We made it. We did it. If you haven't checked out episode 200 yet, do yourself a favor. Set and aside a couple days. It. Yeah. Our four-hour show. It is crazy. But thank you all so much for sending in the voicemails and the feedback, showing your love and support, and letting us know who your top five-ish Favorite characters of all time are. Yeah, some people, um, and again, we're not here to throw stones because we obviously always put in a little bit of, uh, you know, extra effort when it comes to these lists. You know, a lot of these, uh, well, here's like 30 characters that didn't make my list. Well, and here's the thing, like, there, I'm, I'm still thinking of characters. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did not put this character. The character that we are talking about today is one of those characters. And I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I can't believe I forgot to add this character to my list. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, like, no matter how prepared you are, you're always going to be like, oh, I can't believe I forgot this person. Or I can't believe I forgot that, that person or that animal or, you know, what have you. But, uh... So what what are we talking about this week? So today we are talking about one of my favorite characters that failed to make my list, Veronica Sawyer from the movie Heathers. Now, Heathers is one of my all-time favorite films. I love this movie so much. I've seen it so many times. I've lost count. I can sit there and quote it. I'm really excited to be talking about this character today. And... This movie for me is it's almost like comfort food. You know those films that you can just sit back and watch over and over and over again and you don't get sick of it. You look forward to watching it, you know, every time you you view it. So, our getting into character question for today is what films are comfort food for you? Well, for me, I have um uh, again, like this is tough to 
narrow down to, you know, just a handful, but I will do my best. Obviously, the Warriors, I've seen that a trillion times, and it still never gets old, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I love when somebody says, oh, I've seen that movie so many times, I can quote it. And it's like, I do that with, like, every everything, movie. Yeah, yes. I, I quote everything. Um, for me, it's not also, it's not always a movie. Like, you know, for some people, they watch, they rewatch, like, TV shows. Like, someone's like, oh, there's so much stuff on on Netflix, guess I'll watch The Office again. You know, you know, for me, I'm rewatching The Simpsons or Futurama or, you know, Rick and Morty. Uh, it's a little easier with Simpsons or Futurama because there's many, many more episodes than it is with like, uh, you know, Rick and Morty. Like I said, but for movies, um, you know, obviously The Warriors, um, Disney's animated Robin Hood, I love. Um, actually, somebody referenced that the other day in a. Uh, in a group chat, they said spiders, snakes, and a lizard's head. And underneath, I wrote, "If I tattletale, I'll die till I'm dead." Um, it's actually the uh, the group group chat I'm in for the uh, epic tales from Amalgamania that I discussed with uh, Andy Diceman on uh, Tuesday on on Shark Bites. Actually, he's the one who made the reference. Somebody else made the reference. They said it was super easy, barely an inconvenience. So. Whoops. Whoopsie. Um, but no, um, Jaws, obviously, I could watch over and over again. Um, but a contemporary movie, like one that's come out recently, um, the new Mad Max, Fury Road, like, I can rewatch that over and over again. Like, that's really good. Like, I've seen it three or four times, but I think I'm about due. That might be the next, uh, the next uh, series I go through. But, uh, you know, if you've been paying attention to my, my Facebook, you've seen that I've been watching a lot of movies in the month of April. I'm at, like, 70 just for this month. And, you know, some of those movies are, are in there. You know, Alien, Aliens, like the Alien franchise, the Terminator franchise. Love those. I could watch those over and over again because they're just so good and they have enough detail. Um, you know, some of the Tarantino stuff I could watch over and over again, especially Pulp Fiction. Um I don't know. How about you, Ashes? Uh, there are there are several actually. I, now I that know I'm one. really thinking about it, I mean, the obvious low hanging fruit is Mary Poppins. I mean, I I, I I even to this day I could sit there and just watch it back to back to back to back and not get sick of it. And and I've done it as an adult. Wizard of Oz is another one. Um, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. I love that movie so much. Again, one of my top favorite films heathers um i really love practical magic that's another one i love watching that with my sister uh fried green tomatoes steel magnolias the devil wears prada i was just watching that after drag race the other night um death becomes her i love that film so much uh, first wives club iconic love it a lot of these are movies that I watched, like my mom liked them, so now I like them growing up. Uh, my sister was actually named after a character from Steel Magnolias, so that's a fun fact. Um, Her name isn't Magnolia. Shelby. Oh, so she was named after the guy from Ford versus Ferrari? Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, and then some TV shows thrown in there. Sex and the City is one that I have watched from start to finish so many freaking times. And the movies, too. I really do enjoy the films, even though the second one's not as good as the first. Uh, but the I, I've, I've watched the entire series of Sex and the City more times than I can I can even remember. I, I know some episodes just verbatim. Shits, Shits Creek. I can't even talk anymore. Shits Creek is another TV show that's kind of become one of those. Uh, I'm really sad that the series has ended, but I'm kind of glad that they decided to go in the direction that they did and end it on a good note, to end it on their terms, end it while, you know, the story was still good instead of trying to milk it for all it's worth. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much, I think that's, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure there's some um, Lilo yeah, and Stitch is another one. Say, I love some that Disney one. stuff that we can watch over you know, and over again. Um, to Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, great film. Love that film. I didn't know I needed to see Patrick Swayze in drag until I saw Patrick Swayze in drag. And then it was just one of those, like, okay, my, my life is complete. Um, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, you just went on this whole Mel Brooks. Yeah, I just did, all, like, all these Mel Brooks movies, too. That Because those are movies you can watch a thousand times. And there were a few that I hadn't seen in their entirety and a few that I hadn't seen at all, like History of the World. Like, the only thing I knew about that is when Mel Brooks plays Moses and he comes down, he goes, the Lord has given me these 15, and he drops one of the tablets and it smashes, these 10 commandments. <laughs> like, I had seen that in a commercial, you know, and um, I'd never seen the producers. Um, I'd never seen... Um, Springtime for Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> I had that song stuck in my head for like two days. Springtime for Hitler. Um <laughs> I had no idea how good, because I hadn't seen it in years. I had no, I couldn't, I didn't remember how good and how funny Blazing Saddles was. The remake of The Producers is fantastic with Matthew Broderick and Nathan, Nathan Lane, Lane and, and, Will Fer- and Will Ferrell. I didn't see Will. I didn't see the remake. I hadn't seen the original. It's it's really well done. And it kind of took me aback, like, not realizing, like, oh, my God. Like, I knew he did a lot of stuff in the 70s, but this movie came out in 1967. It's like, this movie is, like, over 50 years old. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Like, Young Frankenstein and is coming up on 50 years. Spaceballs is over 30. Next year will be 30 for Robin Hood. Like, it's insane to think about, like, that. And then you start to feel old. It's like, man, I remember watching that as a little kid. And it's like, oh, now I'm an old man. Like, that's weird. Reminds me of the Onion article I saw today. Old man's son, also old man. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to hear from you, our wonderful friends and listeners. Let us know, what are some of your comfort food films? And with that... We will take a quick break, and we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip, and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly... You don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, 
get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy, from movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. for sticking around. So today we are talking about Veronica Sawyer from the 1989 cult classic film Heathers, portrayed by Winona Ryder, who was just, she was like the it girl at the time. And I know that some other actors were put up for this role, but I don't think anybody else could have portrayed her to the extent that she did. Especially where, you know, when you consider who else was up for it, uh, same with Christian Slater's character, J.D. Um, I thought maybe one or two people that they mentioned could have played him, but you know, it's the same thing with her. It's tough when you find someone who has such an iconic role. Well, and apparently her manager begged her, like begged her not to do this. And that's what deterred a lot of people away from saying yes to this role was the subject matter the fact that it's it's a dark comedy and it's not just like a dark comedy it's like the dark comedy especially because there was a lot of like around the time if i remember how the 80s were correctly like a lot of people were crediting dungeons and dragons for all kinds of different teen suicides and you know all these different things and you know where we're trying to get into uh, dungeons and dragons i think we're safe because we're not teenagers anymore but you know, everyone's like, "Oh, it's the heavy metal music that's all satanic, and it's, you know, it's the, uh, you know, the lyrics want everyone to kill themselves, and it was, you know, the, the punk rock and the and the heavy metal, and it's just like, really? Because I listen to the same stuff, you know, the Metallica and the Guns and Roses, and and maybe I was listening to the wrong stuff. I don't know. But, anyways, so 
I think before delving into who Veronica Sawyer is as a character, we need to talk about who the Heathers are and who the Heathers are, you know, who makes up the Heathers, the, the group. So the Heathers are Westerberg High's most popular clique, consisting of three Heathers and Veronica, uh, Heather Chandler, Heather Duke, and Heather McNamara. Now, originally, originally, it was just the three Heathers, but Veronica insisted and persuaded and begged and pleaded her way into this group because for some reason she thought that if she could get into the upper echelon of, of Westerberg High, if she could become a Heather, that she, it would just, it would solidify her place in the school and, and, and she felt that that's where her happiness was because she comes from well-off parents you know, so she's very well-to-do. She lives in a nice house. She has really nice clothes. So she felt that she belonged with the Heathers, who are also, you know, from very well-off parents who have really nice houses and really nice clothes. So she felt that she needed to be in this group. Yeah, they're definitely the type of uh, people who are, you know, they're like, oh, well, I haven't done anything to deserve my status, but you know, my parents are rich, therefore I'm great too. Right. And and they just happen to all be named Heather. So obviously they banded together to form this clique. And then, like I said, Veronica kind of wormed her way into it. And we don't really know how. We don't really know the backstory of the, the group itself or how they came to be, how they formed. But we do know that they're a thing. And Veronica is part of it. And she's starting to kind of regret her decision to join forces with them and and befriend them and so each member of the heathers wears a different color and they predominantly wear this one color it's it's a it's a main part of every ensemble that they wear and the leader of the group is Heather Chandler, at least in, in the beginning, she is the leader of the group. Heather Chandler wears red, and that's supposed to symbolize her power as head of the school, head of the, the Heathers. Just, you know, it's a very powerful color. It, it kind of, you know, that's why stop signs are red and stop lights attention. are red. Exactly. It attracts attention. Heather Duke, who is portrayed, uh, played by Shannon Doherty, uh, her color is green, and it's supposed to symbolize the envy that she has of Heather Chandler. Yep. When Heather Chandler meets her untimely demise, Heather Duke is the first one to kind of step into her place and want to be leader. And she wants to be leader so bad, she wants to wear the color red to the point where she does. And, or, or no, she wants to play with the red croquet ball. Yeah, they, all, they match the same colors, the green, yellow, and red. Uh, and Heather Chandler was just not having that and, you know, brought it to her attention that we all have our colors and red is mine. Essentially, like, this is the caste system. You're all in. And I just want to point out the thing that I like is the fact that red and green are uh, on the color spectrum opposites. Mm-hmm. But Heather Duke wants to be Heather Chandler so bad that, like I said, when Heather Chandler meets her demise, Heather Duke jumps at the opportunity to 
be head of the Heathers and ultimately head of the school. And then there's Heather McNamara, and she typically wears yellow, except for when she wears black. And that is because it's supposed to symbolize the fact that she's cautious and kind of weak and weak-minded and unlucky. Even her suicide attempt was was with yellow pills. Right. She was wearing all black, but the color yellow still pops up. Yes. And then we have Veronica who wears blue. And blue is supposed to symbolize her deep and contemplative and thoughtful personality. Uh, she's definitely slightly more mature than the other Heathers. She's definitely more well-spoken. Well, we find out that she's, you know, they wanted to skip her from sixth grade she's, into high school. Right. She's really intelligent, but and she kind of dumbs herself down. I think that's how she manipulated her way into the Heathers, because she just outthinks them. Right. But red is a... Like a warm color, a hot color, uh, it is a color that symbolizes anger and rage. Passion. Whereas blue is a cooler color. It's a calmer color. It symbolizes, you know. Um, Tranquility. Exactly. So they're. Like that's why subconsciously symbolizing, you know, with the color schemes, you know who they are as people and and Veronica really is the polar opposite of Heather Chandler. Yes. I mean even though the color spectrum green and 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 red are opposites um but we also see that she's rather bold when it comes to certain things. Yeah, she's very upfront with people. Well, she also goes along with things that like, you know, she shouldn't go against this is her better judgment, you know, which gives her the opposite of uh, yellow, you know, so that's the the boldness that we see, like going to the party and you know doing all the stuff with Christian Slater's JD that she does. Um, you know, that's the the boldness and the impetuousness, almost the Im- almost impulsivity, but she always ends up getting angry afterwards. You know, because we're watching this and I'm like, there's really nobody to root for in this movie because they're all bad people. Like, she has her moment. Well, she didn't want to murder anybody. No, but she what didn't exactly put up a fight. Well, she had these friends before she got into the Heathers. And obviously... Sometimes, you know, the typical popularity story, you become popular, you leave your little friends behind. And she did that with Betty Flynn. And it seems that Betty Flynn doesn't hold any grudges towards her because they're still friendly. Like we see in the beginning cafeteria scene where they're asking the the top lunchtime topic of the day. And it's like, oh, I found this picture of us when we were kids. Right. You know, uh, Betty doesn't have any ill will towards Veronica. And Veronica is still really friendly towards her. They just don't hang out. She even apologizes for not being able to make it to her birthday party because she had a date. And Betty's like, oh, well, you know, if I had a date, I wouldn't go to my own birthday party either. You know? So, I mean. the party was a month ago. Right. But, But still, like. Sorry, I didn't get to your birthday party last month. But still, it's uh, it's it's showing that 
regardless of the fact that Veronica has somehow made her way into this whole group of horrible, horrible people. And even then, you can see when they go over to all the tables and stuff, a lot of these, the students are rolling their eyes at them because it's like, oh, my God, here's Heather. But, you know, for some reason, they have a hold on everyone. You know, yeah. like that popular kid at school, it's like, I can't stand this person. But yet, for some reason, they have this power over everyone. Nobody can say no to them. That's who the Heathers are. And so Veronica kind of walks this balance between good and, I don't want to say good and evil, but yeah, good and evil. You chaotic, know, I think she. Good and chaotic neutral. Yes, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Because she wants to be a good person. You know, she wants to leave her friends, and she says that. So she meets JD, Jason Dean, played by Christian Slater, in the cafeteria. He's the new kid. She runs into him at the gas station on their way. Heather Chandler and Veronica Sawyer were on their way to the, it was a Remington college party. Big deal, apparently. I I just want to interrupt for one second, because I do want to, point out how we're introduced to JD like oh yeah he pulls a gun out an on... actual gun pulls out a gun at the two jock football players it's full of bl- it's loaded with blanks but still he pulls a, an actual gun out and fires it See, at them. that is one of the many reasons why this film could not be made today right but it's uh this film is ultimately like the social commentary there's so much happening like there's so much underneath in the writing and the the acting and everything the way the, who the characters represent and stuff like there's a lot there there's it's it's more than just this dark comedy that is easily quotable fuck me gently with a chainsaw you know like there's so much more there and if you've seen it as many times as I have you can sit there and dissect all the different social norms and the problems and everything that this film you know sometimes openly mocks but makes a really valid point yeah especially where you know they they want to believe so badly a certain specific thing, like the the teachers, the students, and they're so out of touch with what's going on, and they're blaming everything. And, you know, again, this is something that, you know, we can relate to today. You know, it's like, oh, well, it, you know, must be, you know, the video games and the TV and the rock music and, you know, all these kids are committing suicide. You know, kind of reminds me of, of Hot Fuzz. We're like, oh, look at this. We have zero murders, but we have a shit ton of accidents. You know, and you have mm-hmm. the, the, the hippie teacher like, I told you we all should talk about our feelings, and now another kid is dead. And, you know, let's all talk about our feelings. But she's not being altruistic either because it's like, oh, look, the news media just happens to show up while I'm putting together this big fucking love-in, essentially. Like, everyone hold hands and think good thoughts about all these people. And the kids, like, we get to see who they are, but they're almost canonized after their deaths everyone's so absorbed with their own agenda that they can't see the bigger picture and that again like that's that's just kind of like one of the underlying themes of this film but 
when Veronica Sawyer is talking to JD at the gas station and he offers to buy her a cherry slushie, which she apparently has affinity for, um, and she's in there buying corn. And the only reason she's in there is she's in there because Heather Chandler wants corn nuts. Um, she's talking to JD and she admits to him, she's like, I don't like my friends very much. Yeah. And he's like, well, why do you, <laughs> why do you do you he's like, them? I don't like your friends very much either. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, why do you even, why associate with them? Why, why hang out with them? And Veronica and Heather go to this Heather C. Well, we'll use because there's so many freaking Heathers. So Heather C and Veronica go to this party and Heather C is doing things that you can tell she doesn't really want to do, but she's trying to keep up appearances. And then Veronica kind of ruins the night by throwing up. Yeah, the scene where she spits the water at her reflection. Yeah, after performing certain acts. Yeah. uh, You could tell that she's kind of disgusted with herself. She did something that she didn't really want to do. But she felt like uh, she she felt uh, Right, right, because she's trying to keep up this appearance that she's, you know, this really just down-for-anything awesome chick. And, you know, Veronica end up, ends up getting sick in the hall. And the look of relief, even though Heather Chandler is giving her shit, the look of relief on Heather mm. Chandler's face, you know, just kind of encapsulates who Heather Chandler is as a person. Red Heather. Yeah, red, red Heather, red Heather, yellow Heather. Yes. <laughs> um, so Veronica is almost like a scapegoat in that scenario. And we learn about Heather's, uh, Veronica's feelings towards all of this. She tends to write in her diary a lot. And that's where we get a lot of Veronica's exposition, inner monologue, kind of fuels the story. So we really get her actual feelings about Heather... Heather, mostly Heather Chandler, ma- mainly Heather Chandler, because Heather she's the Duke alpha. as well. Yeah, she's not too fond of Heather Duke. Um, you know, and she doesn't mind Heather McNamara. It's just Heather McNamara doesn't have the backbone to. She kind of fades into the background. She's just there because they want her. Uh, their personality. She's definitely the, the the Heather with the best hair. But uh, what I was saying is like you know uh, Chandler and and. Sharon, Shannon Doherty there, like, their personalities are so overwhelming. Um, Like, they have her around as, like, yeah, she's popular and everybody likes her, but at the same time, like, we can get her to do whatever we want. Like, she's almost like a... She's a minion. We can yeah, get her like, to do our bidding. Like she, she won't has say no, no. She has no personality of her own. She just kind of, like, absorbs the personalities of those around her and just kind of goes with whatever happens to be going. So the morning after the college party, Veronica and JD have started this thing. They're dating. They're, they're whatever. Uh, but anyway, croquet. Yeah. After strip croquet, I feel like that's the only way to play croquet at this point. Uh, but anyways, uh, watch out for the wickets. <laughs> oh, right between the wickets. But they decide that they want to exact oh. revenge on Heather Chandler for the way that she treated Veronica the, the the night prior. Knowing that Heather Chandler is home, nursing a hangover, not doing well. So home for, alone. Home, home alone, yes. Um, so Veronica just wants to... 
make her something that's going to get her sick. Like, she just wants to make her throw up. She just wants to make her drink something that's so gross. Like, you know. Uh, Orange juice and milk. Yeah, just something that's going to make her, her stomach curdle and she's just going to get sick. And that's kind of like her, her punishment for Veronica getting sick the night before. And JD looks under the kitchen sink and finds some Drano. And he's like, oh, hey, how about a cup of this? It's and like some sort of like rust remover type thing for boat cleaning. Yeah. And well, and Veronica says, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to kill her. Uh, yeah, I don't want to kill her. Like, I just I just want but to embarrass her. I just But doesn't stop JD from pouring it. Well, I mean, he poured it in the cup, but. You know, to say, hey, we could serve her this. And and Veronica was very like, no, 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 no. I just I just want to make her sick. I just want to embarrass her. I just want her to feel the way I felt last night. But she didn't like she wasn't like but she also really adamant. She well, wasn't she like, oh, my God, dump that. She out. wasn't like, oh, hey, let me see the ingredients of this cup before she giving it to Heather Chandler. Cup, the orange juice and milk was in an identical cup. Yeah, just like a mug, a mug of with of, a cut co- with a cover on it, right? And so she didn't check to see which was which. She just grabbed one and gave it to her, and then you know, come to find out, Heather it was drinks it, liquid dies. blue death, and dies. Her last words are "corn nuts," which is just so poetic. And instead of being pegged with the death. JD decides that it's best because Veronica is also great at mimicking other people's handwriting. Which we find out in the opening scene. Right, because she makes a... Heather Chandler forces Veronica on the back of Heather Duke to write a love letter to Martha. Well, they call her Martha Dump Truck, which just isn't nice. Uh to give her a, quote, note that will give her shower nozzle masturbation material for weeks. So, yeah. So we learned that Veronica Sawyer is very good at forging other people's signatures and handwritings and whatnot. So she writes a suicide note in Heather Chandler's handwriting to cover everything up. And nobody questions it you know, because she writes this super, you know, J.D. has her write this super poetic you know, peace, like nobody knew the real me, I couldn't be myself, you know. Which Which ironically was true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, But paints Heather in this crazy light, and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh my God, oh, this, this angel, Heather Chandler, this person who people were cursing under their breath, you know, the day prior, were now like, oh, I remember her, I loved her so much, we were best friends, we wore each other's clothes, you know, it's, it just kind of shows that... The duality the, the of, of bullshit, yeah, yeah. How people treat you when you're alive, and then as soon as it's like, like sometimes people would much rather remember you than have to deal with you now. Yeah, yeah. Sad but true. You know, people tend no, no matter what, people tend to say nice things at your funeral, right? So, but then they can't stop, right? But then there becomes this this, this whole like thing this whole it snowballs and it becomes something greater than themselves and it turns into them also killing kurt kelly and ram sweeney 
The two football players. The two football players. Who uh, got the gun pulled on them. Right, because Veronica, you know, she was trying to mourn Heather Chandler and trying to be there for the other Heathers. And this was around the time that Heather Duke was starting to become, you know, a little more bossy and trying to take on the Heather Chandler role. And at the same time, J.D. was also manipulating Heather Duke as well. And Veronica Sawyer didn't know this. Yeah, he was blackmailing her. He was like, oh, I have pictures of you with Martha Dump Truck, who also attempted to commit suicide because, like, it started to be, like, the popular thing. Like, even the the hippie teacher at one point says to Heather, I mean, um, Veronica, you know, deciding whether or not to kill yourself is the most important decision a teenager can make. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I'm glad you're not a guidance counselor, you fucking maniac. (laughs) But... Heather, uh, Veronica's and JD's relationship doesn't fizzle after the whole Heather Chandler thing. They stay together, and Heather, uh, God, why do I keep calling her Heather? Because so many Heathers. Uh, Veronica really feels that despite what happened, she can really be herself around JD. JD. You know, minus the whole Dear Diary, my teenage angst bullshit now has a body count. Um, but there are a couple of times where you're not sure what's actually happening. I mean, yeah, there are some times where it's like uh, kind of daydream-esque. Dream sequence, like, you know, potential fantasy stuff is playing out. But, you know, you eventually can tell that's, you know, what exactly is going on. Because once it gets to the end of the uh, of the uh, the sequence, you're like, okay, clearly this isn't real. But, like, the beginning of it, like, you know, when uh, they're trying to, like, you see J.D. is like, oh, we're going to kill Shannon Doherty. Heather Duke, yes. Yeah. And we're going to make it look like a suicide. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, because she knows these girls, like, she knows certain things about them, like little idiosyncrasies that, like, he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, write this in Heather Chandler's. Uh, suicide note, and she's like, "Yeah, but she wouldn't know that word because she just oh failed. myriad, yeah, she just failed. She just spelt it wrong on her vocab test last week. Yes, and he's like, all the more reason to use it. She's this is like her piece de resistance. Like, and then when when they, uh, you know, they're they're having the sequence where it's like, oh, we're gonna kill her, and it's like she would never use that knife. It's dirty and filthy. Like she would kill herself with a spotlessly clean knife. You know, mm-hmm. and like he's getting all pissed off at her." You know, so, and he's like, oh, is it fine now? Can you see your reflection in it? And, like, she does, but, like, none of this is actually happening. But, like, so J.D. in the beginning kind of seems like a knight in shining armor for Veronica. She kind of, you know, he's someone who sees through the bullshit. He's kind of this misanthrope, you know, and it's... He's a bad boy. Well, exactly, and it's really attractive to Veronica, you know, she feels that she can kind of let her card down. She knows she can tell him pretty much anything, and he's not going to judge her for it, you know, regardless of the company that she keeps. Right. Like, he doesn't really have any You know, she can use big words around him, and he knows what she's talking about. You know, um, he's kind of quirky, and she likes it because it gives her something to think about. You know, versus the vapidness that she surrounds herself with on a daily basis. Right. Yeah, because she longs to be 
in a lot of ways, she's a Heather in that sense where, you know, JD is kind of like leading her down a path, like, but making it think, making her think that it's her idea for half of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, he's also blatantly lying to her. He's like, oh, these are Ish Luger bullets, you know, oh, they don't. They, they're only strong enough to slightly penetrate, and Ish Luga is German for I'm lying. Right, and that was the sequence where they killed Kurt Kelly and Ram Sweeney. So after Heather Chandler's funeral, Heather McNamara tries to, well, she tries and succeeds to convince Veronica to go on a double date with her and Kurt Kelly and Ram Sweeney. Now, obviously, Veronica's dating JD at this time. She doesn't have any you know, interest in going out with these two meathead football players, you know, but she does it because she could see that Heather McNamara really wants to go, really wants to do this. And, you know, she's trying to be a good supportive friend and they do this and they're like, Oh, I hope it's just not another night of cow tipping for them, which apparently is a real thing. And that's exactly what happened. And it was just a horrible night for the both of them. You could see Heather McNamara being taken advantage of in this cow field off in the distance. And JD shows up, you know, again, knight in shining armor to save Veronica Sawyer from this really horrible date, non-date thing that she's on. Right. And, you know, she like they like she said, she's like, I hope it's not just them getting shit faced and tipping cows and that's exactly what it was and they tip the cow over and mud splashes all over both of them so that's what sets up this whole well we need to get them back for what they did not only the situation that they put heather and veronica in but veronica also wanted to get them for taking advantage of heather in that way well they also started spreading rumors about her yes and that like they both hooked up with her at the same time i believe the term was they had a sword fight in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, oh, well, if that's what you want. like, So she calls them up and like arranges a meeting. And that's what, you know, Veronica has the best intentions. Like she wants to teach these guys a lesson so that they don't do this to another girl. I mean, they don't. Well, I, this is true. They don't. So JD comes up with the idea with the whole bullets, and we're just gonna we're just gonna make it look like they, you know, attempted to, to kill themselves, shoot themselves, and we're gonna put all of this, you know, supposedly gay paraphernalia around them to make it look like, like that. The sparkling water. <laughs> yes, like the sparkling water, and the was it picture of Joan Collins? Yes, there was a postcard of Joan Collins. There was like. <laughs> What was it? What was it like? Stud Pony magazine. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he said it was and, the water. He's like, "This is Ohio. If you don't have a brewski, like." And then that's what one of the cops who finds them, like the first thing is like, "What is this?" And he pulls out the bottle of sparkling water. Goes, "What does it look like?" And you know, has Veronica write the note? You know, saying that we decided to kill ourselves in this Romeo and Juliet like romance thing because we can't be together because you know we're both stars of the football team and that's just you know looked frowned upon and blah blah blah. So you know, I I I think. But you do get another iconic line out of this. I love my dead gay son. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I don't know. And, and at this point, you kind of have to wonder, does Veronica really know JD's ultimatum? Does he? Does she know that he's lying to her, but she just kind of wants to believe that he's not lying to her? Because if you... If, if you, like, think... You always say ultimatum. Ulterior motive. Ulterior motive. <laughs> I know words. Myriad. Good. <laughs> no, you got myriad. Um, but... I know ultimatum was like, on the spelling test last week. I know, and I got it wrong. It's like if she if she thinks she's still good and believes J.D., then she can continue to think that she's a good person, even though, you know, her ulterior motive is to put these people in a position. I mean, granted, you know, she has the best intentions. She wants to, you know, just make them pay. Right. Again, kind of like, right. The same thing she attempted to do with Heather Chandler. She just wants to embarrass them the way that they embarrassed her. And she listens to JD. And part of me thinks that she wholeheartedly believes him because she wants to believe him. She wants to, but at the same because, time. But, you know, there's something off. And at this point, she's starting to learn that there's something really off. She's completely ignoring every, every ounce of, of uh, common sense that she has. Because we it's will young shoot Christian, them with these guns. Because it's young Christian Slater. And he was so dreamy. It was very nearly uh, young Brad Pitt, and which I could see, but I could not have seen young Jim Carrey. Oh, oh my God, they're dead. All righty then. (laughs) So now she has three bodies on her death list, and it's three more than she had wanted on her list because she didn't want any at all. And now she's starting to see through JD's facade. She breaks up with him, which kind of sets the spiral for the rest of the film. And I really love the rest of the film because you kind of get this really interesting character arc. arc. Yeah, character arc, redemptive arc for Veronica Sawyer. Yeah. She stops uh, Yellow Heather from killing herself. Right, because Yellow Heather couldn't deal with the pressure of, you know, Heather Chandler's death. Um, you know, it was pretty much, you know, because Heather Chandler killed killed herself, quote unquote, and uh, she kind of lost. She kind of, well, she lost her leader, so she kind of felt like she lost herself because she didn't know who she was. And then her boyfriend was of the two who had just died. So she thought that her gay boyfriend killed himself. And then Heather uh, Duke, Shannon Doherty. Yes, Heather Um, Duke was taking over. And she was, there there was no reason for her to be the way she was. She was just being mean and controlling. She was, honestly, I think she was being mean and controlling and spiteful. Because that's how Heather Chandler treated her. So, you know, some people learn from things. Very I'm going Joffrey to... Baratheon. Kind of, Cruel yeah. For the sake of amusement. 
you know, and because I'm in power, no one can do anything about it. There are some people who become leaders and they become great leaders because they know what it's like to be treated poorly and they don't want to treat people the same way. They want to provide great leadership and they want to provide, you know, a, a great environment. I don't want anyone for... to feel the way I felt. Exactly. And then there are leaders who are like, I'm going to take all of this pent-up rage and everything that I've been feeling, all of this anger for the past however many years, and I'm going to pretty much take it out on everybody else now. I'm going to make everyone else feel how I felt. And therefore, I will feel better. It's a classic and then, bully. Right. And then I will feel better because I'm now in this place of power to inflict this pain on other people where I was not in that position before. And they never, of course, they never um, do feel better because they're... Well, no, it's a vicious cycle. Because now no one likes them. Right. Like, they're doing it because they think they'll be liked or respected or feared. And they become a leader out of fear. Like, people fear them, so that's why they stay in leadership versus people liking them and want it please we like you we want you to lead us Mm -hmm. it's like well i'm fucking afraid of her so i'm not going to say anything i'm just going to let her keep doing her shit and just try to make it through the day right because you know once high school ends like they're all going to go their separate ways so they just have a little while longer to deal with it but right so speaking of suicide veronica finds out that jd intends to kill her because, you know, that's his way of handling every situation. Yep. If she doesn't want to be with him, he might as well off her because that's the same thing. And she decides to fake her own suicide because now it's this whole epidemic in school. And, you know, they're having assemblies on it and kumbayas and all that crap. And... Uh, Veronica decides to stage her own suicide. But the loose was too loose. Yeah, the noose was too loose. Um, just, just to make it look like she had hung herself in her bedroom with her bedsheets. And JD, who is famous for crawling into her window, bedroom window, he did with a gun with the intent to kill her. And he saw that she had already killed herself, allegedly. He was like, "Oh man, you beat you beat me to it! Like, what the hell? I thought you were smarter than this, you know." And then he bad guy monologues for a good three minutes. Yeah, it's a decent monologue though. Forgets his gun. Forgets his gun on the, the bed because mom's coming upstairs. Yep. to check on uh, Veronica, and uh, then we see Veronica at school the next day. Yes, so... And that's when the, the teacher is like, you know, oh, but J.D. said you killed yourself, you know. you know, And then that's when she says a line about that being the most important choice a teenager can make. So what had happened was J.D. had manipulated Heather Duke to sending around a petition to have this group called Big Fun. It's a fake group. It's not real. Uh, they had a hit song at the time called Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It, uh, to petition them to play their prom because JD wanted this whole spectacle or so everyone thought. Well, come to find out, the petition that they were signing was not to have Big Fun come play the prom. And everybody signed a different petition. Yeah, everyone signed a different petition. But the main petition they were signing, because nobody read what they were signing because everyone's super smart 
is a declaration of them all wanting to kill themselves as this whole big like protest protest affirmation of you social know, movement we yes yes like the this you know we disagree with the social hierarchy of high school so we're going to use our high school as an example and we're all going to kill ourselves because JD believed that the only place where everyone could potentially be equal was in heaven yeah where all of your different class struggles and and your rank in class and your you know whether you were a jock or a nerd or you liked science or you liked english or you didn't do well in school none of that mattered in heaven right so jd thinks veronica's dead so she's obviously out of the way and she would be the only one who could potentially stop him because nobody else some people didn't even know who he was didn't you know pay any attention to him but nobody knew what his ulterior motive was and he thought Veronica was dead, and she wasn't. And, and so she went to school, and she was looking for him, and she found him in the boiler room, strapping a bomb to the building. After he had already strapped sticks of dynamite all over the all over the place, this was going to be the catalyst that set everything else off. I will say, and I pointed this out when we watched it, that he reminded me very much of the kids from Columbine, because of the way he was dressed, you know, with the big trench coat and, you know, he was acting all secretive. And, you know, we saw a uh, kind of a glimpse of this through J.D.'s um, relationship with his father, which is, you know, and they were talking about how he you know, he's kind of ruthless where he's a construction guy, but he goes in and he. Um, he blows things up. He, he He's a he's demolition, a demolition yes. guy. But. He it doesn't matter what it is like it could be you know this historical landmark it doesn't matter uh, he always tries to get his way and he had talked about blowing up a building the exact same way that JD was trying to blow up the school and because Veronica is as, as intelligent as she is she puts two and two together and you know that's when when he sees her he he even comments that he thought he thought the loose was too noose I mean the noose was too loose but he didn't check. So it's it's a very interesting final showdown. Right, because she uses his gun on him and she thinks that she has killed him and stopped the bomb, stopped everything from blowing up. For all up. intents and purposes, she fucking should have. I mean, yes, she she shot him a lot. Like she shot his finger off at first. Yeah, he flipped and then, her off and she shot it off. Right. And then her shot got a little better. Um so she goes outside. To have a cigarette, because that's what she does. She's a smoker, and smokers are jokers, but, you know, it was the 80s, and we all did stuff that we weren't supposed to do. Um, um, I watched The Simpsons, and that was about the extent, because I was eight when the 80s ended. <laughs> you were four when the 80s ended, so I don't know what you were doing. At four? Allegedly. I allegedly was four. I'm only four. But, anyways, she should have fucking killed him. He should have been dead. But he wasn't. So she leaves the school because everyone else is at a pep rally. uh, Some kind of, yeah. Kind of like a a pep rally slash... 
It was Friday. It was big emotional thing that they were doing. I can't think of words right now. Um, support group type thing. Support? Do they have pep rallies for support groups? I don't know. They were all just cheering. Like there was just. It was a, a typical high school shenanigans, and so she goes to outside to smoke a victory cigarette. She had saved the school and everything's great. And then there's JD and he had strapped the bomb to himself. And I love this part because they kind of just realize, eh, it's not going to get any better than this. JD realizes that, you know, he can just blow himself up and protest and that removes him from the equation permanently, you know. And Veronica would obviously be there to tell his story. And Veronica wins because, you know, she doesn't lose any more friends. She doesn't, you know. And her slate is wiped clean, too. Because with the demise of JD, he's the only person who knows of the deaths that have happened. Well, you she know, knows. Her, well, she knows, but it's not like she's going to tell anybody and about her body point, count. I think she has uh, in her mind um by getting rid of jd that's she's well, she redeemed also, she herself saved everyone right so you know because i mean let's face it heather chandler was not a good person kurt and ram they weren't great people so i mean what's a couple of less great people no in great the world? loss for my stephen king fans out there you know so with the loss of jd all of that goes with him. And I just love the final scene where they're just kind of like looking at each other because they really did like each other and they really did have some fun times and they really understood each other. And in that moment, I think that is the final, well, I mean, obviously the final moment, but that is the moment where they understood each other like the most. Right. Yeah. That, that really like cemented their relationship and they're like, okay, this you is, know. And so she pulls out her cigarette and she just puts it up to her lips and she's just waiting. And then when he blew up, that lit her cigarette on fire, like lit, well, didn't light it on fire, but lit her cigarette. And she just shook the school. Well, yeah, like obviously everyone was like, what the, what the hell was that? Because they didn't Um, hear the gunshots because of, you know, they were directly underneath the pep rally. And even, like, the stoner kid, like, lights her joint under the bleachers on one of the packs of dynamite. Yeah. Like, not knowing what's going on. So, she walks back into the school, and she's confronted by Heather Duke, who is now wearing all red and thinks she owns everything. She has command of everything. She's wearing the bow that She's wearing JD Heather Chandler's her. bow. No, no, JD. Yeah, JD, JD gave it to her. I yeah. was thinking she took the earrings out of the uh, locker earlier. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to remember what what she took. And he's like, "Yeah, that's a gift for you." And she takes the red bow that Heather always wore. Yeah, and so Heather Duke looks at Veronica Sawyer and says, "You look like hell." And Veronica's like, "Yeah, just got back." I love that line so much. It is a great line. But then she, I mean, she could have just left everything the way that it was, but she decided to take matters into her own hands, and she rips the bow out of Heather Duke's hair and says, there's a new sheriff in town. Yep, and kisses her on the cheek and smears the ash and JD particles. 
Yeah, she didn't really have any JD chunks on her. Yeah, the, probably this because thing... of the MPAA rating. Yeah, yeah, but it was still pretty effective with all the ash and stuff. And the first thing she does is she goes over to to Martha Dunstock, who had attempted to kill herself but didn't, and like the other Heathers were giving her shit about, it. like, oh, she can't even commit suicide, right? Oh, like, oh, she's just it. doing it for attention. And she doesn't feel this way. Rah, 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 rah. And she bro- says, yeah, Veronica says, you know, my prom date kind of flaked on me, as in he just exploded. She goes, how would you like to just hang out and watch movies and eat popcorn? And yeah. she's getting back to who she really is. Right. So now she's got no other bad influence because, you know, Shannon Doherty's Heather is not. Heather Duke was. Easily manipulated. Yeah, she was easily manipulated. She didn't have what it took to be a leader, and all honestly, all it took was somebody taking the, you know, saying, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm the captain now." Like, just look at completely- me. I'm the Heather now. <laughs> You're just completely taking over and being like, "No," because no, she was so I- meek and and like deferred to. Um, it's like she was so like when Heather's like, "I'm red, power I'm hungry," but she didn't know how to use it. She didn't right. know how to obtain it. She just like, I just want power, but I don't know what I'm going to do when I have it. I just, I just want to be in charge. I just want the title. I just want, you know, I'm the number one Heather, but I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to, you know, keep myself from, from, you know, reminds me of somebody I know. Well, we all know. Be sending you letters from the White House. Just wants the power, but doesn't know how to do anything with it. Yeah. So anyways, that is Veronica Sawyer. I love her. I think she's, I mean, I can't believe I forgot to put her on my top list. Well, I just realized been... I didn't have Godzilla on there anywhere. I know, right? We, we're going to have to. <laughs> okay. So in a hundred more episodes, maybe we'll revisit that topic. Our top 300 uh... characters. <laughs> but I love this movie so much. It's iconic. It's, there are so many things that have stemmed from this film. Um, they also turned it into, I believe it was in 2014, an off-Broadway musical. Well, there's a TV show. Well, there was a TV show, but uh, so I heard different things. I haven't seen it, and I don't know if I want to see it. I don't even know if it's all available. I know that they filmed an entire season, but then the school shootings happened. And a lot of other stuff happened Witch in the world. school shootings. Well, exactly. And they decided that it wouldn't be best to release it. So I don't know if it's, I think maybe one or two episodes had been or were aired. But uh, yeah, I don't know the whole story about that. But apparently, like, it's really, it's Heather's, but like, it's it's not. It's Kind of like to be how a... they took Riverdale and made that like super dark. From, like, the Archie comics? Ah, uh, maybe. Although Archie did fight Predator. There's an Archie like, versus Predator. Maybe, comic. but I'm not super versed in the Archie comics, so I don't really know. But I have seen Riverdale, so I don't know about yeah, the transfer Archie between one. Were, and... were, were not, they were, like, a tame soap opera. Like, definitely PG to PG. But, I mean. There were no biker gangs. And murders. Oh, and no. No Southside Serpents in the Archie comics world? Oh, I thought they were called the Trouser Snakes. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't watch that show. But do look up Trouser Snake from our, our good friend, uh, Alex. He directed that in 2016. Anyway, 
We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a brand new battle to throw down to you, for you. We're throwing down a battle. So stay tuned. Holy sidetracking, guys. The train just came off the tracks. Derailers. Be sure to follow the derailers on Twitter at the derailers. And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube so you can catch the episode next week, folks. Same derailment time, same derailment channel. Hey, what's up? I'm Amy Stolte. And this is James Thomas. We are from Battle Star Wars. And you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Dear Diary, my teen angst bullshit has a body count. The most popular people in school are dead. Everybody's sad, but it's a weird kind of sad. Suicide gave Heather depth, Kurt a soul, Ram a brain. I don't know what it's given me, but I've got no control over myself when I'm with JD. Are we going to prom or to hell? And we are back. Thanks for sticking around. Very sticky. So we have a new battle to throw down. We do have a new battle to throw down. And when we throw down a battle, we we throw down the battle theme. So keeping with the theme, our battle this week is called How Very, a battle of dexterity, determination, and Drano. We want to know which Veronica has what it takes to take down their high school's top tormentor and restore proper order in the halls. You can choose from Veronica Sawyer from Heathers, Veronica Mars from Veronica Mars, or Veronica Lodge from the Archie Comics and Riverdale. I wanted to call it, isn't it Veronica? But I only just came up with that idea when when she was reading it. So I never actually ran it by her. So we're going with her idea. Yes. So hit us up on the polls on Facebook in the Facebook group and on Twitter. Let us know which Veronica do you think is the ultimate Veronica? Who has what it takes to take down the bad guy? And make the good stuff happen. That that was good words. How bad things will stop, but good (laughs) things will go. So anyways, wrapping this episode up. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't checked out episode 200 yet, do yourself a favor and do it. It's such a fun episode. Again, thank you guys so much for all the feedback and voicemails and all of the love. Speaking of voicemails, we have another one. We do. Uh, we got a voicemail from uh, our good friend, Evil Corny. And, you know, there were a couple of folks who, who messaged us and were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry that, you know, I didn't send you a voicemail or I'm sorry I didn't get to the. It's like, you know what? I it understand. Is okay. Yeah. We understand that, you know, these are crazy times and everyone's world is kind of, you know, in a state of upheaval. So no worries. It's perfectly fine. Uh, if you want to get them to us, even in the future, like send us your your feedback and we'll. We'll uh, definitely take care of it on the show. 
But uh, here's a, a, a voicemail from our good buddy, Evil Corny. Hey, Ashes and Patrick. I want to wish you guys a happy 201st episode of Throwdown Thursday. Um, really been enjoying the show. Um, by the way, I did forget to call you on your 200th episode. <laughs> so happy 200th episode also. But um, you all have a good one. I've been, in, like I said, I've been enjoying the show. And um, I hope you continue. Evil Corny out. Yeah, again, Evil Corny. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, listening and thank you for checking out the show. Evil Corny's been a good friend of the show for so, so long. He's such a good dude. For 201 episodes. Yeah. And, and, and like, our friendship with Evil Corny, like, predates Throwdown Thursday. Yeah, it's like way back, even before, you know, back when I used to occasionally go on. Elm Street Kids, and even before that, Trick or Treat Radio, yeah, the chat. Like the, that's he's he's been a part of the podcasting community for a long time, and he's got his show Movie Massacre. Check that out. He's always watching cool stuff. Yeah, on uh, the From the Canopy yes. podcast. He's only got uh, only him and El Goro are ahead of me as far as uh, watching movies are concerned. Uh, they're not too far ahead. I think they're I'm within ten, ten or fifteen of those two guys. And uh, they are they're prolific when it comes to movies, so to even be close to those guys is quite a feat. So, um, so what do we got coming up next week? And in the weeks after next week, we have episode two hundred two and beyond. <laughs> That's what we have. Yeah, we have a lot of fun stuff in the works, and I know we always say that, but it's the truth. We have some crazy awesome guests that we're trying to nail down and some interesting topics. We are going to take some of your favorite characters that you listed last week into consideration, and we are just, you know... we got to get some research done first, you know, because there's some of these, you know, there's TV shows and there's movies and there's comics and there's books. You know, we've got a lot. That I was we're... Saying, some characters are obviously easier to cover than than others, but some characters, you know, pro- you have to do a lot of research. I do know, however, that there's going to be a Hobbit episode in the near future. Yes, I am Hobbit going to episode. continue. Well, they don't they don't go to Mordor, so I can't say I'm going to continue the quest to Mordor. You continue your journey through Middle-earth. Oh, that's perfect. I'm going to go to Middle-earth and I'm going to do stuff. And I am going to oh. tempt I am going to tempt fate because I'm going to play a couple of uh, clips from Led Zeppelin songs in that episode and uh apparently they are like more expensive than the Beatles when it comes to their royalties. Really? So I might play, it'll be under 30 seconds. Yeah, I don't think they can get you if it's under 30 seconds. I think they can still get you. But, but like, uh, we're like small potatoes. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. If Led Zeppelin, if, like, Robert Plant is listening to my podcast to be like, oh, they're listening to our, they're using our music, I'm going to be like, oh, Robert Plant is listening to our podcast. Like, that'll blow up and, like, get us, like, so much more notoriety. Right? There is no such thing as bad publicity. You know, it would be like that that early Family Guy episode with Luke Perry. And, you know, you hear it's like, Luke, it's time for dinner. And he's like, hold on a second. I'm just uh, I'm just lo- reading through every high school newspaper in the country to see if I mentioned, you know, I'm sure Robert Plant's going to be sitting there. Oh, I'm just oh, I'm just like uh, listening to every podcast in the world to see if anyone plays more music. 
right? Like, there's like millions. I mean, maybe not millions, but there's definitely like tens of thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of podcasts at this point. If you count all the ones that like people did Didn't, like two or three episodes right. and then stopped. Yeah, there's probably you know hundreds of thousands. But there's like, definitely at least tens of thousands of active oh, podcasts yeah. right now. Uh, I wonder how many podcasts have come like into fruition because of quarantine. Probably quite a few. Like I'm actually speaking with a few people who are like, I want to start a podcast. Um, how do I do it? Because people are basically taking like, you know, you're not able to see all your friends. So they're just like recording Zoom meetings or recording mm-hmm. these things. It's like, we're going to sit around. We're going to talk about horror movies or we're going to talk about superheroes or we're going to talk about comedies. And it's like, why don't we just record this and use it as a podcast, like, and give us an excuse to, you know, record together each week, you know, and, and you know, we're socially distancing, but we're still hanging mm-hmm. out. And that's kind of what Shark Bites is turning into, like, the, you know, getting an excuse a chance. to, to yeah. hang out with your friends. Well, because, you know, we had Coupon a couple weeks ago. And we just had Andy Diceman on from uh, Epic Tales of RPG on, on Amalgamania. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're doing. I'm going to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons, guys. Ashes is creating a character I am tonight. making a character. I already made one. Uh, I did this a while ago. His name is Squalus Selecomorpha, which essentially means shark shark. So if you play Dungeons and Dragons, if you're a fan of it or have any tips or hints or any knowledge that you can bestow upon me and are willing to bestow upon me, I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, Andy's doing a good job teaching us and the It's uh, it's a lot. Like I don't think he he realized that like I don't play games. Period. He was like, Oh, do you play this? Do you play that? I was like, nope. <laughs> well to be fair, he just asked if you played uh Skyrim or World of Warcraft, because those are very, very much based on... I mean, I have done role-playing, but I haven't played any role-playing games. No, no, that's a different type of uh, role that you played. <laughs> um, but that, you know, that's... I mean, I am very good at role-playing. I will just... not deny that. <laughs> well, Andy came on uh, Shark Bites this week, and we talked about uh, not only, you know... You know, some good um, resources for people who are, A, looking to start, B, interested in, you know, joining this, joining this type of community and, you know, maybe setting up their own game. But also people who play on a regular basis, you know, a bunch of different ways that you can still, you know, have your, your dungeons and explore them too. You know, different, you know, virtual meetups, you know, Zoom and Whereby and Skype and you know, even uh, Facebook Messenger, like all these different things. Like there are people that even if you don't have dice, you can, you know, there's a, there are sites that allow you to use virtual dice. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, and especially if, you know, you're you're someone that's like, man, I am cooped up in the house. Like there is something, I have to do something different. You know, this is something to do. So check out this week's episode of Shark Bites and some future episodes. We're going to be uh, discussing, I think this next week, we're going to be discussing uh, me and some secret special guests that I'm super excited to talk to because they're my friends and I haven't seen them. Uh, we're going to be discussing our top five characters we want to see in either the MCU or DCEU and who we think should play those characters. 
So that's going to be a really fun episode. Um, I think that's that's all I have. Is like now is a really good time to, if you have the time, to try something that you've been wanting to try. So like I'm going to start playing Dungeons and at least attempt create try, a character, create a character, a see if see if I if I if it, if it vibes with me. Um, you know, try Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I, I maybe I shouldn't drink while playing because saying Dungeons and Dragons like sober is a very like harrowing feat. There's a meme that's going around, and I I forget what show it is, but someone's like Dungeons and Dragons. What is that? Some kind of sex thing? That's what this girl is saying, and the guy's like, "It is like the absolute opposite of that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm also oh, I'm buying myself a cross stitch kit. Oh, that I didn't because that, well, that's something that I've always wanted to try. Know what you should try? Finishing my Star Wars blanket you started oh, making for my me God. seven years ago. I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she started making me a Star Wars quilt at you know for a wedding present. She's like, "Don't worry, I have all the materials. I'll I'll be able to finish it soon." And we got married September 2013. I've been busy. I've been so busy. <laughs> I have been busy. Well, and right now I don't have... So if you quilt, you know that in the process of finishing a quilt, especially a a larger quilt, you need ample space to do so because you need to be able to sprawl it all out. You need to be able to kind of, you know, get everything so you can, you know, do that. I forget the terms. My mom knows. Quilt. Yes, quilt. But... You know, you need to be able to put it together and... We have plenty of tape. Uh, yeah, here's... <laughs> I didn't finish it, but I, I used taped duct tape, your, so I taped, uh, it's the same. I scotch-taped your quilt together. Might be a little scratchy. It's warm and sticky. <laughs> but no, like, you, you need space to be able to, to put it out and, like, do that. I forget what it's going to... It's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to have to Google bobbin. it. Well, when you when you use the embroidery floss to tie it together, maybe it's just called tying it together, but you have to tie it together in certain parts so that the quilt stays together, the back and the batting. And although I think with this one, I'm foregoing batting and I have a fleece back that I'm doing, but you still need to tie it together to hold it together so that it's going to stay together and you can have it for years and years and years and years. Is it analogous colors? Is it no background quilting? No. Is it backing, backstitch, backstitch, noop lock, loop knot, bargello, barn raising? Okay. I'm going through alphabetical quilting terms because I don't I don't know them. No, but I'm going to use this opportunity to get back into crafting. I want to learn a new craft, which is cross stitch. She's crafting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll try knitting again. I, I, I could get the basic stitch down, but I don't know. I, I, I think I need to revisit knitting. Uh, maybe even crocheting. Maybe I'll try my hand at that. That's French. For crotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she kicked me right in my crochet. <laughs> With that being said, we hope you guys are staying safe. And doing what you have to do. Wash your and hands. have a lot of snacks. And until next Thursday, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.